All right. We're going to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 18 this morning. John chapter 18. We're going to read verses 1 through 14 today. John chapter 18. And verse 1 is where we'll begin reading. Again, it's good to be in God's house and uh, looking forward to getting into His Word today. I've been looking forward to these chapters for quite some time. I've enjoyed going through these chapters on uh, the teachings of Christ and uh, then, of course, His prayer. We we looked at last week uh, at His prayer there in chapter 17. But where we are today really begins the uh, the first steps towards the cross. And that's really what we're going to be considering uh, as we finish up the book of John. Uh, the next couple of chapters are going to be concerned with uh, the events of His crucifixion, what happened while He was on the cross, and then, of course, uh, His resurrection uh, three days later. And so I'm looking forward to getting to that, uh, to, to preaching on the cross, and looking at some of just the, the wonderful things that John shares with us uh, about the cross. And, and so be praying for me as I'm preparing these each week and I pray that God will use this for His honor and glory. But we're in John chapter 18 today and beginning in verse 1 it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, He went forth with His disciples over the book Kedron, where there was a garden into which He entered and His disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed Him, knew the place For Jesus all times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, uh, cometh there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Speaking of his disciples. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of them which thou gavest me, I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Uh, The servant's name was Malchus. And then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. It says, Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And I don't think when he said that, that he realized what a prophetic statement that truly was. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the day that you've given. We're we're thankful for this time to be in your house to study your word. God, I pray that uh, as we enter into the message uh, now, that you would, uh, Lord, just guide and direct me by your Holy Spirit. Help me to say the things that are needful. Uh, Lord, help me to preach with boldness and in truth. And uh, God, I pray that you'll use this message for your honor and glory today. Lord, as we sit here and uh, as we listen to the words uh, that, that we're going to study this morning, God, regardless of what state we're in, whether we're saved, whether we're lost, Help us to see how these verses apply to our lives and how that we can depend upon Jesus because He is the great I Am. We're so thankful for Him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Where we are in chapter 18 places us uh, right at Jesus' arrest. 
Uh, Jesus has finished his lessons with his disciples. He's, he's made his way to the garden where he prayed for God's will to be done. If you remember in, in some of the other gospels, it talks about how that he, uh, he had brought his disciples to the garden of Gethsemane. He actually took three with him, James, John, and Peter. They went just a little further. He said, I want you to pray with me. And then Jesus went even further into the garden uh, and fell down and he prayed three times. Father, if there is any other way, talking about the cross, if there is any other way to bring redemption, any other way to bring salvation, take this cup from me. But he says, nevertheless, not as I will, not my will, but your will be done. He prayed this three times and all this has already taken place by the time we get to chapter 18 and verse 1. Now in verse 1 it says, when Jesus has spoken these words, he went forth with, with his disciples over the book Kedron uh, where there was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And that's where, of course, they, uh, they prayed. Now he is there, he's already prayed to the Father those three times, and he is awaiting the band of soldiers that's making its way over to arrest him. I've actually been to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there's no doubt in my mind, uh, when you're standing on the where the Garden of Gethsemane is, it's actually over on the Mount of Olives. And when you're standing over there, there's a valley there between, and right in that valley is where the uh, the, book, uh, the brook Kidron, or it says Cedron, or Kedron here, uh, but we just call it the, the Kidron uh, brook there. And, and, uh, and so that is there in the valley, and then as you ascend back up, you go over to where the temple is, and, uh, and the, you know, where the palace used to be, all that other Jerusalem is on that other hill there. And there is no doubt in my mind that if this was at nighttime, and they're coming over with lanterns and uh, torches and things like that, that Jesus would have seen them far before they ever got to where he was. That he had plenty of time to escape. He would have had plenty of time to, uh, to make a run for it. But he saw them coming. And what I find here is that uh, the, the idea of retreat never entered into his mind. In fact, we're going to see that once they got there, he actually went out to meet them knowing what they had come there for. If you look at verses 2 and 3, it says, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. He knew exactly where Jesus was, for Jesus oftentimes resorted or went there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, uh, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Listen, I want you to know this morning that Jesus did have plenty of time to escape. He could, as I said, have run for it, but that's not why he came there. That's not why he was there, uh, just to retreat when things got difficult. Jesus still had a mission to fulfill, and I I want us to look at uh, that today. We're going to look at three things here from the text. Uh, But the first thing I want us to see this morning, I want to talk about uh, the I Am. If you'll look with me in verse 4, it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things which had come upon him, uh, went forth and said to them, Whom seek ye? It says, They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. I want us to pause and just consider uh, that statement. Before we go any further with the storyline, let's just look at what he says there uh, in verses 4 and 5. Now, if you'll notice here, when the guards said that they were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, his answer, if you're looking in the King James Version, his answer is, I am he. But I want you to notice something in your Bibles, uh, that the word he is italicized. 
And this indicates that the word he was added by translators. Uh, Literally, here's what I want you to see. Literally, Jesus answered to them when they said uh, they said that they were seeking Jesus of Nazareth. His answer to, to them was, I am. He said, I am. Now, this may not mean much to you right now. It doesn't sound like you got as excited about that as I did when I saw it. It may not mean a whole lot to you right now, but it meant something to them. Because here's what I also want you to notice. This was not a band of Roman soldiers that had come over to get Jesus. This was a group of temple guards. They they were sent out by the chief priests and the captains. This was a band of Jewish people who knew the Jewish law, who had heard all those old Jewish stories. And they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when He replied to them and said, I am. You see, centuries earlier, when Moses was called by God to deliver the Hebrew people from Egypt, Moses asked God, Who will I say has sent me? What name will I give them? And God's answer to Moses was this He says, I am that I am. He said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. The name translated as I am in the Old Testament is derived from the Hebrew name Yahweh or its Greek equivalent Jehovah. But we're looking at that holy name of God. And remember that biblical names carry meaning. And one of the revelations of God that we find in the name Yahweh reveals that He is eternal and self-existent. This name points to Him as being the original cause, as being the creator of everything that is. Now what's interesting about this and why I bring this up from the Old Testament when, uh, when God said that, uh, that I am has sent you. In the Gospel of John, there are actually several I am claims that we find uh, made by Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He says in one place before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said in chapter 15, I am the true vine. Now there are times in the Bible where Jesus merely uses this phrase to identify himself the same way we would. If someone asks us a question, we may use the same words. We may say, I am. But there are several specifically uh, that identify him as the I am. The I am of the Old Testament is the very same one that stood before them that day when he said, I am. And one of those claims is found in our text today as we look in John chapter 18. Now, I want us to get back to the storyline here. We're just going to look at two things. Things as we continue on with our storyline. First of all, I want us to look at the arrest that we find here in verses 3 through 9. Now, when this band of guards arrived, Jesus went to meet them with a question to which he already knew the answer. Uh, we're going to read again verse 4 and 5. It says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom seek ye? Who are you looking for? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And again, we see that Jesus said unto him, I am he. 
And it also mentions that Judas, uh, which betrayed him, was standing there with them uh, when he says this. Now, in order to demonstrate to this group just who they were speaking to, uh, he showed his power in verse 6. It says, and as soon as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now, there's something, you know, this may sound a, a little strange, a little fishy to you. But here's something I want us to remember from the book of John. That over in John chapter 1, John identifies Jesus as being the Word who was in the beginning, who was with God, and who was God. And as you continue reading in chapter 1, it actually tells us that all things were made by Him, by Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In other words, Jesus was the creator. Again, if we go back to the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And through chapter 1 it says several times, And God said, let there be light. And God said this, and God said this. Here's what John tells us. John tells us that in Genesis, when God said, let there be light, that literally it was Jesus. It was the Word who said, let there be light. It was Jesus who stooped down and formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life. The same creative God, the same creative one who spoke all things into existence. When that little band of soldiers came to get him that day, he used his mouth and said to them, I am. And the force and the power of his words knocked them all on the ground. Now, I don't know what was going through these guys' minds. But if someone says something to me and I fall on the ground, I'm not getting back up and going after that guy again. Right? I don't know what was going through their minds. I don't know what made them get up and continue on with what they were doing. But that's exactly what we're going to find here. Jesus asked again the second time. He says, who are you looking for? They all get up. They dust themselves off. He says again, who are you looking for? Verse 7 says, Jesus asked again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. Therefore you seek me. Let these go their way. And really, in other words, what Jesus was saying is, I've told you that I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And so I'm the one you're looking for. Let the rest of these go. And it says in verse 9, as we read there, that he said this, that the saying might be fulfilled that we, we saw last week in chapter 17. Of them which thou hast given me, I have lost none. And so he protects his own disciples by saying, uh, your, 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 uh, your quarrel is with me. Let these go. Don't bring any harm to them. Now, going back to Jesus' I am statement here for a moment, there's something else that I want to mention here. In the book of Exodus, when the Lord told Moses to say, I am has sent you, that was more than just a title that he was giving himself. You see, what this name did is it affirmed that he was the answer to any need that the Hebrew people might have. In other words, when Moses went back to the Hebrews and said, there's a God that has sent me, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. He wants to deliver you. He wants to bring you out of Egypt. He wants to bring you to himself and uh, for you to be a nation that belongs to him. When he goes and brings that message and they begin to ask him, well, well, 
who is this God and what is he able to do that they might say, well, we need a God who is greater than Pharaoh. And to that, God says, I am. They may say, we need a God who is greater than Egypt. I am. We need a God who is able to deliver us from bondage. I am. We need a God who's able to feed us, water us in the desert. He says, I am. We need a God who's able to fight for us when we go to battle. I am. You see, whatever their need was, God's reply was, I am. Any need they could have. And I think it's so fitting here in our text that when the world needed Jesus of Nazareth, His answer to them was, I am. He came just in the nick of time, didn't He? When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son to be the I am for us. To be the answer to any need that we might have, especially the need of eternal life and forgiveness of sin. I want us to look as we continue on in verses 10 through 14. We're going to look at his surrender here. When Jesus turned himself in, I want you to see that Peter tried to keep his promise to Christ. If you remember uh, a little earlier when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, you know, the time is going to come and all men are going to forsake me and, and I'm going to be rested and, and handed over to, uh, to sinners and then all this. And Peter says, Lord, even if everybody else forsakes you, I won't forsake you. I'm going to be here with you, God. I, I, I'm here to the end. Jesus, I got your back. All right, and so he tries to fulfill that. If you look at verses 10 uh, through 14 there, it says uh, that Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. Now, I don't know. Peter was a fisherman. It doesn't sound like he was much of a swordsman. I don't know how he just nicked this guy's ear, but somehow he swung his sword and caught the guy's ear and uh, fatally wounded his ear there. And uh, we see in verse 11, Then Jesus said to Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. Now put that away before you hurt yourself, Peter. He says, The cup which my Father has given me, shall I not drink it? I remember... uh, As I mentioned earlier in the sermon, when Jesus was praying to the Father, He prayed this three times, He said, if there be any other way, then let this cup pass from Me. And what we see there is a momentary response of Jesus' flesh. Of his body. He knew what was coming up. And he was saying, Father, I know what's ahead. I know what's happening in just a few hours. I know why we're doing this. But if there is any other way to accomplish this, then let this cup pass from me. But three times he says, But not, it's not what I want, but what you want. That's to be done. And Jesus prayed that three times. And evidently, as he was praying this, 
he became solidified in what had to happen next. In fact, again, we don't see him cowarding from this group who's come to arrest him. We see him walking out to meet them. And even as Peter draws a sword to try to maybe start a revolt or maybe to protect Jesus from what's about to happen, he says, put your sword away. He says, the cup that my Father has given me, shall I not drink it? It was settled in his heart what had to be done. And there was nothing that was standing in his way from going to the cross. It says, then the soldiers took cords and tied Jesus' hands together and led him away to be tried by the high priest. Now we find that in verses 12 through 14. But there's a statement here that gets me every time that I read it. And I want you to look with me in verse 12. It says, And the band of the captain and officers took Jesus uh, and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. There are three things that it says that they did. It says, first of all, they took him. And the word there really means that they took him by force. They they grabbed him. They took him. They uh it says they tied him up. And then they towed him away. This was a man who with one word knocked every one of them to the ground. Simultaneously. This was a man who picked an ear up that had just been cut off of a servant and put it back onto his head right in front of everybody. Yet they tied him up and led him away. I'm going to tell you, Jesus did not go one step that day that he was not already willing to take. There's not a rope. There's not a chain. There's not a cable. They could have mummified him in rope. And if he did not want to go with them, they couldn't hold him down. In case you didn't catch it earlier, He's the great I am. I want you to see that this was not an arrest. Although it may have made them feel better to say it was. This was not an arrest. This was a surrender. I want to tell you what kept Jesus in those ropes. What kept Jesus walking as they led Him away. It was His obedience to the Father, number one. But number two, it was His love for you and me. I want to tell you, we're going to progress in this and we're going to see the beatings that they give to Jesus. We're going to see the nails that they drive into His hand. But I want you to know right now, before we go any further, that those nails did not hold Him to that cross. Love held Him to that cross. You see, he knew what was ahead for him and it already settled in his heart that he would finish his course. If you look with me again in verse 11, or verse 4, it says, Jesus therefore, look at this, knowing all things that should come upon him, it says that he went forth and asked who they were looking for. In verse 11, again, He says, put up your sword into the sheath. The cup which my Father has given me, shall I not drink it? He knew what He was there for. He knew what His mission was. 
And he would fulfill it. Within just a few hours, he would look up to the heavens and cry out with a loud voice, It is finished. Listen, I want to say this morning, some of you have needs today. And I couldn't possibly know what those needs were unless you told me. Maybe you need someone who's able to help you. Maybe you need someone who's able to provide for you. Maybe you need someone who's able to strengthen you or comfort you or calm you, forgive you, save you. But I want to tell you that whatever you need is today, that Jesus' answer is the same as it was then. I am. Whatever need you could give, whatever you could be lacking, Jesus is the I am. He is the answer. He is the solution to whatever your problem may be. And I want you to know, especially, that if you're here today or if you're under the sound of my voice as you listen to this message, that if you don't know Christ as Savior, if you need someone who can stand between you and God, who can make amends between you and the Father, who could bring salvation and eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. He's the only way. He's the only way to God. He's the only way of salvation. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to eternal life. Do you know Him today?